What's up? Can the low come up in your crib? Man, fuck you. I'll see you at work. Oh, nigga, don't hate me because I'm beautiful, nigga. Maybe if you got rid of that old yee-yee-ass haircut you got, you get some bitches on your dick. Oh, better yet, maybe Tanisha will call your dog ass if she ever stop fucking with that brain surgeon the lawyer she fucking with, nigga. What? Hello, and welcome to Lucky Episode 7 of PlayStation Pals, a video game podcast. We hope you are enjoying your weekend as we are bringing you into August here. And who are we? Well, I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the clank to my ratchet, John. Yeah. John, what's... <laughs> are you excited for August? Uh, no, I, I can't <laughs> say that I am. I typically view August as maybe the most boring of months, and it's usually really hot, and, you know, school is getting back in, into swing of things. You know, not that I've done that for... 10 years or so, but, you know, maybe there's some lingering uh, reservations with that. But no, not really excited for August, Nick. Can't say I am. Really? Because, I mean, that's when the video games come out. Like, August, you know, Madden is usually the the kickoff, mm. and then you usually get some releases, and same with yeah. this month. I, I could see that being a thing. I, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of, you know, when I start to get excited for games, it's usually more September. I, when I think of fall releases, you know, like that's kind of, I think that's like when Spider-Man came out. Uh, and you kind of get like the bigger games. August, I feel like, is the lead up month to release games that, that studios and publishers aren't super confident with. Like they know it's not going to be their fall banger, so they kind of just put it out in August. But, you know, I know there are some 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 pretty sweet pretty sweet ones coming out this year though so you know maybe a little more excited for this august than than past years but i still think it's that school heat bad mixture that i don't <laughs> like that that kind of leaves a little st- uh, stink in my mouth but you know yeah well if you didn't know like nobody plays games during the summer so that's why they have to release all these games in the fall and winter you know when all these well and all these kids are off of school they do not want to play video games they just they want to go outside and be active unless if it's about a cat. If it's about a cat, then people are fine with playing playing video games in the summer. Well, the joke is people play video games in the summer. Come on now. Like, yes, I know, I know, I know, Nick. I know that. I just finished a game yesterday. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was that one good summer, like, uh, what was it, two years ago, we got uh, Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima in summer. Yeah, I would say that probably outdid anything else that PlayStation did that year. I can't remember what else came out for them that year, but definitely. That's back-to-back months for those two games. It can't get much better than that. Well, they did launch the the console that year, so they did did do that. That's small (laughs) potatoes compared to The Last of Us. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so moving on. If you're just joining us, here is the format of the show. I am going to bring three things. John is going to bring three things. And this can be anything. It could be a video game we were playing. It can be news. It can be a topic. It could be news. It could be an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com. And sometimes even news we talk about here. So, (laughs) and if you say, if you thought I said news a lot, that's because that is all this podcast is today. Between Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg News and the PlayStation blog, we have six items of news to bring to you today. And, John, do you want to kick it off with the uh, first news item we're going to be talking about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, wanted to quickly go over just the PlayStation Plus games for this this upcoming month and 
to be a little more specific, these are the PlayStation Plus Essential games, now that we have to make that clear distinction, being that we have the multiple tiers. But, um, you know, if anybody who follows the industry, or at least PlayStation knows, there's usually a leak that happens a week or two ahead of the games getting officially announced, and I I believe they're probably 20 for 20 at this point. They're never wrong. So we kind of knew that these were coming, but I got the official word from PlayStation. So we have uh, Yakuza uh, Like a Dragon, which is the newest release in the Yakuza series. That's uh, a 2020 game uh, published by Sega, developed by Ryuga Godoku. Um, We have Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake from Vicarious Visions, also a 2020 uh, game. And we have Little Nightmares, which is a 2017 indie game from, uh, actually I don't think it's technically an indie game because Bandai Namco published it, but a smaller game from Tarsier Studios. Um, Yakuza and Tony Hawk are both PS5 uh, versions of the game. Little Nightmares is only PS4, but whether you have a PS4 or a PS5 out there, you can play all these games because uh, both Yakuza and Tony do have a PS4 version as well. So um, what's your general consensus of of that selection there, Nick? Uh, It's pretty, pretty good. Just looking at the, I took the open critic uh, scores of these games. Yakuza, 86. Tony Hawk, 89. Little Nightmares, 79. I mean, that's fantastic. This is probably one of the best months we've had uh, in the PlayStation Essentials uh, lineup for for a month of games. Yeah, I, I agree. I've seen some people online kind of liken this to, uh, you know, us getting Final Fantasy VII Remake or getting Control. Those those seem to be kind of the two big months in the past that people look to to get those those big newer games that, you know, they might have been wanting to, to buy and just wait for the right sale. So for a lot of people, you know, this is definitely a good month. Um, you know, I, if if you've played a Yakuza game, you kind of already know what you're in for. But if you haven't, um, just for people out there, they're they're one of a kind. You know, I've only I've only played Yakuza Zero, um, but from what I understand, every game takes place pretty much in the same location. They're all pretty pretty similar. So if you've played one, you kind of played them all. So I just I haven't had a chance to go do more of them, even though I did really like Zero. But uh, they did change up the formula with this one. They they went from a traditional beat 'em up style combat of the first what, six games? This is, I believe, the seventh numbered game in the franchise. Uh, and they went with, like, a turn-based RPG style, um, you know, v- you know, kind of like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest, something like that, which, you know... Like a radical change, but again, from everything I've heard of people that have played this game, they love it. Um, you're in for kind of a gritty detective story with a, a flair of the most insane batshit things you've you've ever experienced in in a game like that. So, you know, specifically with like side quests, I remember one in Yakuza Zero. You literally had to catch a man who was chasing down women and stealing their panties. Like that's kind <laughs> of the, the thing where you know that that's that's the level of weirdness that we're gonna that you would get to uh, on the side story of a Yakuza game. Also, though, when you're doing like the main missions and whatnot, it, like I said, it's it's this gritty uh, detective, you know, crime mafia style thing, um, you know, a lot like you know you'd see in like The Godfather, right? The yakuza being the Japanese crime syndicate. So. Um, I would encourage anybody who is on the fence about the Yakuza games, maybe you haven't played them before or, you know, you, you want to get back into the series, definitely check that out. Um, I think that's a, a big win for everybody. And, um, and, and to tease our next news item, uh, you're going to have the chance to play a lot of Yakuza games <laughs> this year. So uh, yes. stay tuned for more news on that franchise. 
Yeah, no, there's no shortage of Yakuza games. They've really had a resurgence, I would say, in the past three to five years. Um, prior to that, they were more of a niche title, I think, where the people who like them like them, and if you didn't know what they were, you probably stayed away. But they've, uh, they've really gained a lot of traction in the West in the past couple of years, and um, I think this will be, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of people giving this series a shot with this game and probably start to explore some of the, the back catalog of those titles, which, as you just mentioned, Nick, you know, won't be very hard for a lot of people now, so I'm sure that was a strategic decision by Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next, you know, you got Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Um, I own this game. Um, if you're f- an older gamer like ourselves, I, I don't even know if you can consider us older gamers. I mean, we're in our 30s, but, you know, this is a series that we grew up with. Uh, Tony Hawk 1 and 2, you know, foundational to my, my uh, childhood, you know, in the game space. So getting these games, you know, all glossied up, uh, remastered, um, and just... Exactly how you remember, just with a shiny coat of paint. You know, they really did a fantastic job with these games. It feels like Tony Hawk used to feel. It's got all the levels uh, in a nice tight package. And, you know, if you're looking for a nostalgia trip or if you even just like, you know, just a, a, a good feeling sports game with like a, with a high score attack, you know, that's definitely, definitely one not to miss. And uh, Little Nightmares I've also played as well. And that's, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a smaller game. You know, I would think... Put in the same vein as like an inside uh, limbo, you know, kind of one of those uh, side scrolling games um, where you're kind of doing some light puzzle solving, uh, maybe pushing some blocks around, things like that. But there's a lot of creepy things happening behind you, um, you know, where you're you're not don't really have a lot of combat. It's mostly just hiding. But um, from everybody I've heard that's, that's played those games, they, they like them as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, overall a good month, man. And um you know, and, and also I did kind of want to note, too, that both last month and this month, uh, we've received two PS5 games as opposed to, I believe it used to be just one. So I'm wondering, you know, if we're going to start to see this shift where we are going to start to get two PS5s of games now that they are becoming more available. Um, we know we're almost two years into the generation at this point, so they have to kind of start making that switch at some point. You know, do you think now's the time, Nick, or is this just kind of, you know, just a, a happenstance thing that we just got lucky with? Yeah, I think now's the time. I wouldn't be surprised if God of War Ragnarok is the last new release to get this uh, the PS4 treatment. Uh, and going forward, Spider-Man 2 and other games next year, it, it won't shock us that they're just PS5 only. So it would make only sense that the, that the PlayStation uh, Essential monthly games is going to start, you know, slowly tipping the scale to the PS5 as they try and push that platform more and more. So, so I imagine this is, this is going to be the standard going forward. Um, Yeah, no. And uh, I, I agree. And I think it's, you know, uh, it's really nice because I know that there is a general fear with the new tiered system with PS plus that, you know, Sony would start saving the good games and the things that people actually want to play and, and kind of lock them behind the extra tier, leaving Essential to basically, you know, kind of just wither and die in hopes that people would upgrade their service. But, you know, so far we're, we're two for two with great months. Last month mm-hmm. getting Crash 4 and, and this month getting these, these games. So, you know, I, I ball still up in the air when it comes to that, but... You know, so far so good. I, I think when it comes to when it comes to keeping essentials robust and you know getting the value that that we've been getting for a while, mm-hmm. um, you know. But one thing that I I have noticed, Nick, and I'm not sure if you noticed this as well. 
I don't have you have you seen the the games that they've added to the PlayStation Premium service specifically last month and this month? No, we didn't. We didn't talk about the premium games. I yeah. I don't know how much our audience is interested in the like PS3, PS2, PS1 games. Maybe, uh, maybe going forward we can start mentioning them. But uh, I try to keep it to the more current games yeah. and platforms. But so no, no and, I, and I haven't really looked into them very much. I don't think there were very many, I, if I remember correct. For this, and, and that's kind month. of the thing. I did, you know, not that again. I I don't ever really want premium. I don't have time to play PS five games, let alone PS one games. But I did find it kind of interesting. For the first month for PlayStation Premium, they gave Echo Shift for PSP, No Heroes Allowed for PSP, and Loco Roco Midnight Carnival for PSP. That is it for the premium collection. And I just find it interest. I just find it interesting. You know, you'd think with the when you roll out this new service, you get the highest tier. The people are most invested into the ecosystem. They get this highest tier, and then you get no PS One games and a and a smattering of B tier PSP games. It's just something I wanted to just at least note to see if this is something that is going to improve. Because if if you don't have a reason for people to subscribe to that highest tier, unless if you're just banking entirely on nostalgia for games that they've already kind of pushed out there it's you got to keep give people a reason to keep coming back and so they haven't announced anything for august yet this this yet um we're supposed to get some more uh the full list on august 10th so i'm going to keep my eyes out for that but did just see it find it a little odd that there was nothing more robust than three b-tier psp games for that that top tier so just kind of an interesting thing well again teasing our next news item they did tell us a few games that are going to be coming to exclusively to premium uh so um, okay yeah i don't know if it's like a licensing issue or or what to, to get the older titles like it must i'm assuming it might be a little harder than the more current games uh so maybe there's a reason why we're not going to get a lot but yeah, yeah. i'm with you that that is a very weak is just a bunch of PSP games. That's and I'm paying the high I'm paying the most money and you do get extra features outside right, of just the, the game access. And, yeah. But uh yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too happy with those with those selections if I was in the, the top tier. Yeah, uh, just just to keep money. A, Yeah, just to keep our finger on it and you know, see if uh you know, if they improve or if, you know, we're going to start getting a, a little unhappy comment section on a Reddit posts sometime in the future, you know, we'll see. But um, just want to at least bring, the, bring that up. So Sure. But, but, yeah, you know, overall, pretty good month. I, uh, I'll, I'm going to check out Like a Dragon. The other two I own, so not a big deal. But, yeah, mm-hmm, pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I really hope you like Like a Dragon because you're going <laughs> to get – all the Yakuza games you you ever wanted, because on top of also announcing the PlayStation Essentials lineup, they also announced that eight Yakuza games are going to be coming to PlayStation Plus, and uh, including Yakuza Like a Dragon, which we just talked about, in the extra tier next month, we're going to get Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kiwami, and Yakuza Kiwami 2. Next month coming to Premium, is Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 remastered. And then, on top of that, later this year, we're going to get Yakuza 6, The Song of Life, and that'll be coming to the extra tier. Okay. Uh, so, it's Yakuza games for, I, I don't know how many hours it takes to complete a Yakuza game, <laughs> but I'm assuming this is like probably like 500 hours of game <laughs> minimum yeah, I- here. 
<laughs> I think I, I think I probably took thirty to forty to beat zero. So yeah, it's it's a lot, man. Like I said, you know, like I said earlier, the West, the last three to five years, man, this this series has really blown up and found a following. So uh, not surprising, not surprising and at all. Do they have a, another game in the pipeline? I don't. I haven't played the series, so I don't follow like the future releases, but. This so um, this buildup seems to me like you're trying to build to a to the next new game in the franchise. If you're if you're you know, giving it, us all this content, it's it's funny you actually say that. Yeah, I, I a week ago they just uh, found some screenshots of Yakuza Eight being made. Um, no. <laughs> it lo- it looked like one of those not supposed to be taken kind of pictures. You know, of somebody <laughs> from behind a person working at a computer screen, <laughs> like one of those. Um, uh. But you know, I mean, this this franchise hasn't take hasn't stepped off the gas since the first one came out. I I want to say early two thousands. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine they're definitely doing eight, um, and I, they have a lot of spinoffs that they've done too. I I don't know how many of them have come west. I think a lot of them stay over in Japan. But um, you know, if if the trajectory is you know keeps going the way it is, I wouldn't be surprised to see those go a couple of years or so. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's great, man. You know, I personally can't. You know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play a new franchise, I don't want to play eight games of a new franchise. But <laughs> just knowing just knowing that they're there and how similar that they all are to one another, you know, it just it allows you to have more of something if you like that something. So, you know, it's a it's a win. And uh, just so everybody knows too, uh, Yakuza Kiwami and Yakuza Kiwami Two are remakes uh, of Yakuza One and Yakuza Two. Mm, so. Okay. The biggest question that I think a lot of people have with Yakuza is like, where do I start? And I don't have an answer for you for that because I've only <laughs> played Zero. But Zero does take place chronologically first, but Kiwami is the first one that came out. You know, they did a prequel thing with Zero. So just a little bit of info if something somebody is looking to jump into that series, you're going to want to start with Kiwami or Zero, but I can't tell you which one. You kind of have to do a little research on your own. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of guides when you got a franchise this big, the... Of plenty of people out there are willing to help you dip your feet in there and and right. uh, tell you which order to play it play it in. So, yeah. so yeah, that's this is exciting. This is uh, it's kind of cool that they're teasing what's coming to the the PlayStation Plus tiers, and it's it's a lot of games. And as far as I know, like I mean, they're ma- they're making an eighth game, so a lot of people yeah. must love this franchise. So the game's got to be pretty good, pretty interesting, as you said with Zero. So. Yeah, um, no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I'm happy I played it. I've thought about playing other ones, um, but you know, I'm de- I think I'm going to do seven next. I don't really care so much about the, you know, seven se- seven game long narrative arc that there probably is. And I know seven comes with a brand new cast of characters for the first time in, in series history. I believe one through seven was all about Kazuma Kiryu, and, and they switched it up with this one. So seven's probably honestly a good place to jump in as well with a gameplay change and a, and a uh, you know character change. So um, you know, yeah, lots of different options. I think it's just one of those series you can kind of just look at it and see you know wherever you want to jump in, jump in. Yep, I and mean, it's great that yeah they're allowing you to do that. So are so. you going to play one, Nick? As I said, games are coming out in August, so I will probably check one of them out. I'm sure. Uh, I did which one I don't know yet, but uh, yeah, I got. I'll probably check out one. I think. Okay, good. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. It is, like I said at the top, it's a pretty unique thing. Pretty okay. unique. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll definitely look at one for sure. Awesome. All right. Moving on. All right. 
So for uh, second topic here, uh, PlayStation uh, is releasing a PS5 software beta. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read the blog post just to make sure we hit all the important details. Um, but we got uh, from PlayStation here, it says, Since PS5 launched, we've been listening to your feedback and working every day to bring you more community-requested re- features. Today, re- we are rolling out a new PS5 system software beta that includes 1440p support, game lists, and a- additional updates to enhance your gaming experiences and make connecting with friends easier on PS5. While beta access is limited to invited participants in select countries, our goal is to bring these updates to our global community later this year. If you're selected to participate in the beta, you'll receive an email invitation when it's available to download today. As always, some features available during the beta may not make it into the final version or may see significant changes. So just to kind of go over a little bit of the uh, you know uh, things that are included in this beta, um, I think the biggest one that probably has most people excited is the 1440p uh, resolution uh, option that they're they're allowing us allowing people to choose. Um, so the PS5 beta introduces support for 1440p HDMI video output, enabling players to choose an additional visual setting on compatible PC monitors and TVs. Uh, if you're playing, if your game, if the game you're playing supports 1440p rendering, you can experience native 1440p output on your display. Or if you have a game that is high as higher native resolution, like 4K, then you may benefit from improved anti-aliasing through super sampling down to 1440p. And it goes on and on. I don't know about the technological side of all. <laughs> All that, but I do know that a lot of people, especially people who play with monitors uh, that have 1440p um, abilities, were kind of bummed out when the PS5 came out that it didn't do that. I think a lot of people felt that 4K is just not necessary and it sacrifices too many other things to get that horsepower and able to run it. And they would rather have, you know, a little bit better than 1080p with that solid 60, you know, 60 frames is the standard now. I feel, I think people are generally unhappy with anything that's less than that nowadays. Um, so I think this is going to be a big win for those people. Um, do you know any more about the 1440p side of things, things Nick? I, I just know that people want it. That's about all I really know. <laughs> well, I know like the problem was, is like it, it was either 4K or 1080p. So if mm. you had a, you know, a monitor that was in between, you're just stuck playing 1080p. So no. you're just losing, like you weren't full, fully utilizing your, your uh, hardware there. So I know that's why people are excited, because if you're in between, now you can use your gaming monitor and, and get, get everything out of it. So there, there was, there's a decent amount of monitors out there that they top out at 1440. That's like their, their peak performance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that and makes that's perfect the, sense. A then, lot yeah. of the comments were saying on this, on this blog post. Okay. No, that, that's perfect. That I mean, I, I would understandably be upset because nobody wants to shell out another eight to nine hundred dollars for a new monitor if you already have something nice but just can't utilize it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's gonna be a lot of people happy about that. Um, the next big update in this uh, beta is the game list feature, and so I think the easiest way to think about this is just similar to folders on PS4. It, it basically allows you to customize your game library so you can get to the things you want to get easier and, and create your own custom things. So um, in your game li- library, you can now create game lists, which, which make organizing your games even easier. To start, you go to your collection tab and select create game lists. Uh, choose games to add to your game list, then decide what to name it. You can have up to 15 game lists and 100 games per game list. <laughs> All games under your collection 
tab of your game library can be added to game list, including disc, digital, and streaming titles. You can also add the same game to multiple game lists. So, you know, kind of a minor thing. You know, not a lot, a lot of people are going to use it, but I know the people who do are kind of little micromanage or, you know, really like to have their things in a specific way. This will be nice for them. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of a bit of a bummer that it's it's sectioned into your collection tab? Just, you know, not that it's a big deal, but it does require a couple extra clicks to get to. So if the whole purpose is, you know, ease of use and, and getting to things quicker, it does seem a little counterintuitive in that way. But, you know, it's something you can use, don't have to. Um, mm-hmm. So just kind of another cool small thing. And then there's just a couple minor things just to go over real quick. Um, you can now apparently compare 3D audio to stereo audio, so you can kind of bounce back and forth and see which one you like better, which is, you know, kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm sure there's some things where you would you would want that stereo audio, but kind of a weird one. Um, um, yeah, I had to quickly, that that is kind of like one of my favorite updates to this is because I I'm not an audiophile. I I can't tell the difference. Like sometimes when I'm playing okay. games and I'm using the the they're the pulse headset the official sony branded one like i can't tell the difference like sometimes like is is it on is he is it using it you know so so it'll be nice to have this to be like oh okay yeah i guess if anything yeah it's kind of a proof of concept feature it'll be like oh you didn't think this was anything listen to this and then you're like oh i can tell the difference you know i i get what you're saying man i think it really for at least for me uh, it takes a special one to really notice it. Returnal's kind of the one I think of where mm-hmm. I really I really could tell where enemies were based on the audio with that game. And so, um, you know, yeah, kind of cool little thing, but I'm sure there's certain things like, you know, maybe listening to music is something you would want in stereo as opposed to 3D or, or whatever. So um, just kind of a cool little thing. And then uh, there's some social features. Like you can now apparently request... Uh, to to see somebody's screen. So if Nick was playing a game, you know, I looked on my friends list, Nick's playing something, I want to check it out. I can, like, literally send him a little ping to request to watch him. So just, you know, little things like that. Um, and uh, easier access to in-progress activities. So when resuming a game, in-progress activities are often shown prominently at the top of the game hub to make it easy and as fast as possible to get back to where you left off. Um, Real quick here, Nick. Have you ever used the those the in progress activities cards in your on your system yet? Do you ever use those? No. <laughs> I, okay, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either, and I feel like they've made such a big deal about those even since like they've announced the console. I'm just wondering, like, am I missing something or am I not? So maybe I might have to make a, a conscious effort to to look at these a little it, bit more. It just I, seems I typically like- ignore them. The game, the, usually the game itself does a, a, the job of organizing, you know, quests and missions that you have to do. Right. Uh, so I really don't feel the need to, like, go on to it, an additional menu, take me out of the game to do it. Uh, but I do know that they'll point to things that are not specifically in the game. So um, I know, like, trophies and stuff they'll, they'll throw in there. So uh, usually yeah. when I see the activity cards, it's always about trophies. So um, Right. So no, I haven't used it, but maybe maybe one day the right game will come along and I'll I'll start checking it out. Right, or you know maybe they just need to find that you know perfect uh, UI design that puts it in the right place to get people to to just notice it. Because I yeah, it's like when I'm ready to play a game, you know that's what you know that's what uh, the rest mode's for, right? Is that you can you can just turn the system off wherever you want, turn it back on, and you're right where you are. So mm-hmm. it's always felt a little weird, but. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, those are kind of the things that we're looking for in the beta. You know, again, these aren't things that are guaranteed to make it into the next uh, firmware update for the system, but things that they're looking at. Um, is there any features, you know, that, that you were kind of hoping to see here, Nick? Or like if there was one feature that Sony could add tomorrow, what would it be for you? Uh, I just wish the the folder organization, which you could do on the on PS4 on the front page, I wish that was there. Like I wish it was just an additional tab because you know you have your yeah. games tab and your media tab, just an additional tab. Um, and not that I have a bunch of installed games on my system, but when I when I did have people over, I did have like a party section which included you know a lot of the the oh man now I'm just. My brain, my brain is blanking on all those that Jackbox games. Jackbox, yeah. <laughs> all the Jackbox games and a, and a few other party games that I knew. Like, okay, everything's just in one section. People are coming right. over. I'll just leave this section up, and then we can choose a game from there. Uh, but other than that, I really don't keep a lot of things installed on my system. Um, one feature that I did like that was on PS4 that did not make it to PS5 is like the news feed. And not the newsfeed that we currently get in which it's kind of published based on the games that you follow and what PlayStation officially publishes. But there used to be a feed where you could see what your friends were doing. It would be like John started playing Spider-Man or John got the platinum in Spider-Man. And you could just scroll through and see everyone in your friends list, um, what what they're up to uh, and what trophies they're getting. And as, as of right now, you know, I know we have kind of a back and forth with a friend about platinum trophies. Like mm-hmm. we, I have to, I have to actively go find his profile to see if he's gotten a platinum trophy. So it right. would really be nice if, like, I could see what my friends were up to in some kind of like feed uh, on the main page, uh, like they did mm-hmm. on, on PS4. That's kind of the one that I'm. I wish was. I wish would come back. That's a good one, and you know, even to, if if you could do that too, and like pick and choose which friends you wanted to follow it's like mm-hmm. you know so you don't have to worry about though this guy that i just play rocket league i don't really care what he's doing because i know he just plays rocket league but yeah i could follow you know new a couple other people from work and that's it that'd be that would be nice yeah. um have you ever messed around with the quick resume feature on xbox i know you probably i don't even know if you've ever really played with the series x yet no i i have not okay. touched the series x yet so okay. i know that's, that's that's that allows you to actively quick like you could have two games up at the same time and quickly change between yeah. them. Yeah, I didn't think it would be a big deal until I started it with my Xbox. Like I could have, I think I could have six or seven open at one time. And so, you know, with me specifically, and I like to play, you know, smaller, quicker titles, sometimes like Binding of Isaac, or, you know, if I'm playing with my son, we're playing Descenders, which is his favorite game in the world. It would just be nice to be able to pause that where it is, play the thing I want to and go back to it because what I'm doing right now is I literally have to just hope and pray that when I get home if I was playing a game that my son doesn't turn it off and then you know log into whatever he wants so it would Mm -hmm. be nice you know for some sort of implementation of that you know I just I do feel like Sony's uh, software engineers are always a a little bit behind Xboxes so hopefully it's something they're working on but um, Mm -hmm. you know hope hope it's hope it's sooner rather than later and you know hope we get it at all yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's uh, about it for the beta. Uh, yeah, and I just wanted to quickly note, I I believe they did this exact playbook last year when they released the, the beta that let you install your own SSDs and everyone oh, was yeah. all excited and freaking out about it and then bummed when they didn't get invited to the beta. I'm almost, if I remember correctly, I believe that software update went official like a month, exactly a month later. By September, okay. we had all gotten that ability. So, so if you're not invited to this beta, just... 
hold out for a month and I'm sure it'll roll out to everyone. We'll all be uh, installing this update. Okay, that's good to know. Good to know. All right, so moving Mitch rolling, on. Mitch's rolling dice over here. <laughs> <laughs> I took my watch off. It was bugging me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I'm rolling dice to see what game I'm yeah. playing next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, one game that I won't be playing anytime soon is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Mm. Uh, this game was announced just not even a year ago at uh, the big Sony event in September. It was. It started the whole show. Uh, and I would, and I'll get your temperature on this franchise, but uh, was was kind of one of the big announcements of that show. Like I believe Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic uh, is one of the f- people's most favorite Star Wars games, favorite RPGs of all time, and it was an exciting, um, exciting to see that it was going to come to PlayStation and that Asper Media was going to bring it to us. Uh, and then this week, our Hopes were dashed because Jason Schreier, uh, notable journalist who gets all the inside scoops, we've brought him up before on this show, Uh, he wrote an article titled, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic Game Paused Amid Studio Shakeup. And in this article, you find out that the game is going to be delayed uh, indefinitely. Uh, They have no plans for a release date currently. so, John, I just said, firstly, I want to kind of break up these, because we got two Schreier articles to talk about. I'm kind of breaking <laughs> up, like, with the game information and then the studio information that he kind of brings, because I kind of like that's how Schreier always frames it. He talks about the studios themselves and the, the turmoil or the changes inside. And then, you know, sites like IGN just take, you know, the big stuff, like what I just said, mm-hmm. is that the game is delayed. And then they right. post it. So, so I'm going to divide it up to that. So I, I just wanted to get your kind of temperature on your anticipation for the game in the first place and then what are your thoughts on now that it's uh it's not coming out for a while or at all yeah um i am surprisingly excited for this game i don't have any experience with it in the past you know Mm -hmm. i i never i never owned an og xbox and i believe the first one was exclusive to xbox is that correct correct yes right so so i missed it um you know, but I also will say I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, you know, narrative-driven games that are that hard into narrative. You know, and I guess I'm speaking primarily of Bioware right now. Is I know this is, might be the most controversial thing I'll ever say. Uh, the Mass Effect trilogy, thus far, I have to give it another shot, you know, was not that special to me. <laughs> and so, so, but I, again, I know that that's a very hot take. So, you know, but I, I do think... That the Star Wars universe is something that I might latch on to a little bit more. You know, this is an established universe that I, I know characters of, I know places, I know just general things. So it's a little bit easier to probably uh, absorb myself into rather than this brand new space opera that was something like a Mass Effect or really like any other Bioware property. Um, mm-hmm. But... You know, again, I don't have any experience for it, so hearing the delay, hearing that they're going to need to take time, it doesn't hurt very much for me at all. You know, it's one of those when it comes out, it comes out. But I do know that, you know, there's I have a couple friends that I can think of specifically where this is their number one favorite game of all time. You know, mm-hmm. they 
they just ate it up when it came out. And it's like, you know, they're also really big Star Wars fans, so that is obviously something that you have to take into account. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a blow for a lot of people. I know from that show they were most excited for KOTOR. It seemed like a lot of people, you know, on the Xbox sides were real bummed out that they wouldn't be able to play it. So I know there's probably a lot of people that have been in the Xbox ecosystem for a long time that are kind of feeling a little bit left out. And, um, you know, it's just a bummer all around, but... You know, if, if there are if there are reasons that that this game is getting delayed, and you know, I'm not sure if you're going to get into it, Nick, but mm-hmm. you know, I believe we two people were two people were fired. Yeah, so you know, if there are, are valid reasons, then yeah, man, do it do it up because you know we're in the golden age of remakes right now. You know, we're getting the games that are getting remade are not just you know these fly-by-night type games. You know, we've gotten, what, Shadow of the Colossus. We're getting The Last of Us. KOTOR is right there with those. This is an important game to a lot of people. And if they're not going to deliver on the experience that people remember, you know, we, we talked about Tony Hawk earlier, right? And it was so good because it really felt like I was playing the game again when I was a 10-year-old kid. You know, mm-hmm. they need to make sure that they can do that. And, um, you know, unless if there's some other things happening behind the scenes that just haven't been made public yet, it just seems like the game's not where it needs to be. And, um, you know, hopefully that they, re- they realize how important it is. And hopefully Sony realizes that, too. And usually they do when they have their money uh, behind a project. So, um, you know, it's a bummer. And, uh, I'm, but I'm, I'm still excited for it. It'll come out eventually. It's just not going to be as soon as we wanted. Right. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat. I did play this game back then, but I didn't beat it. I think I've got a few hours into it. And, it, yeah, it's peak Bioware. If you didn't know, Bioware made the original game, and then it's Asper that's going to be uh, remaking it. Uh, and, yeah, it, if a game is more deservingly of a remake, it's a game from 2003 that barely any people played because it was on a, you know, it was mm-hmm. just on Xbox. And, you know, it, and it was exciting because I, I I wasn't expecting it at all when it, you know, when it was showed at the PlayStation Showcase last year. I think nobody would have several things in that showcase nobody would have predicted, but this was definitely one of them that it was that we were going to get a remake. And you know, watching people react to that press conference, I mean, people were mm-hmm. excited, and it's 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 kind of a bummer that you know the game might ever come out. And now is in a list of games along with like Vampire: The Masquerade, Bloodlines Two. Uh, of games that are yeah yeah of games that were where you were announced excited for and are just vaporware pretty much now at this point uh, unless we hear otherwise so so i am bummed but then let's getting into what actually kind of occurred uh i'm just gonna read uh highlight some uh paragraphs in the article that uh schreier pointed out um Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a remake of a 2003 role-playing game, is delayed indefinitely as the at developer as developers at Austin, Texas-based Asper Media tried to figure out what comes next. Asper also abruptly fired the game's art director and design director this month. In a series of meetings throughout July, Asper's two studio heads told employees that the project is on pause and the company will look for new contracts and development opportunities so the people who are not authorized publicly to speak about the situation. Uh, The the game was announced in last September and has been in development for nearly three years at Asper, which was purchased by Sweden's Embracers Group AB last year. On June 30th, Asper finalized a demo of the game, known as a vertical slice, to show to production partners Lucasfilm and Sony Group. 
The developers were excited about it and felt that they were on track according to a person familiar with the project, so they were shocked by what happens next. The following week, the company fired design director Brad Prince and art director Jason Miner. Neither responded to requests for comments, but Miner suggested on a social media page that this dismissal wasn't, was unexpected. At the outset of development, Asper told staff and partners it would release the game by the end of 2022. According to two people familiar with production, developers said a more realistic target now would be 2025. In May, Embracer announced that Sabre Interactive would also join the project. Some at Asper believe that Sabre, which has mainly been doing outsourcing work for the project, may take it over completely. Hmm. So... Interesting that they have a demo of the game and then instantly two people are fired. Um, yeah. And then now the game is in limbo. Uh, it just do, seems weird, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem weird? Yes. Like, <laughs> you know, first off, internally saying the game's going to come out this year and then to get delayed and then to say 2025, that just doesn't make sense. You know, if, if this game, you know, if this if this shakeup, so to speak, in quotes, happened recently, then there's no reason for anybody to, in the world to expect a game's going to come out this year if it's going to require a three-year delay. Secondly, I have never heard about anybody losing their job at the drop of a hat like that just because a demo was bad. You know, and maybe it's a maybe it's a real, you know crazy place to work over at Aspire, but, you know, I don't know, like, you, you think they're, like, a demotion or, you know, hey, we're going to try a different lead at this project, not a straight-up firing. It, it you know, I, obviously not spreading rumors it, or anything like that, but just being with the industry the way it's been recently, it's, it almost seems like there's some sort of sexual thing happening or some sort of, you know, something that happened that we're not privy to yet that we had to let these guys go. Obviously, I'm not going to. We're not spreading rumors. That's that's not, nobody said anything like that. But it just seems more mm -hmm. along those lines than just the, oh, the project's not where we want it to be, so we had to let these guys go. I don't know. Yeah, and, and given their titles, just design director and art director, those don't seem like you know the the, the head of things like a creative director, right? You know, they're not the one calling all the shots or a producer or, or someone you know more. See, overseeing production, these seem like smaller roles, I be, albeit bigger, big roles in a game. You know, design director is definitely a good, as a, a bigger position. But yeah, for them just to be show a demo and then just gone immediately, like that, it just doesn't seem yeah. right. Like especially, no. I know, I know projects like these are sensitive. So like, if they're planning on letting someone go, it's probably always, you know, you can't go back to your desk. You're just locked out the door, you know, because yeah. video sure. game development is very sensitive. So maybe maybe they were, they were unhappy with, you know, the decisions that these guys made. And, you know, the plan, they don't have a choice. They just have they have to get rid of them immediately. So that could be the case. I mean, you know, only other thing I can really think of is that they maybe they just straight up lied. You know, if if they were reporting to their superiors like, hey, the project is at this point, it looks like this. You know, maybe they just took their word for it, and when they finally showed what they had, they're like, "Oh, you fucking lied about everything." You know, this isn't this isn't what you've been telling us. You know, I could see that being something mm -hmm. that is grounds for a firing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's a strange one. You usually don't hear about people getting fired based on their work, 
you know, for a project that hasn't been released in. You usually don't hear about a three-year delay after the game was seemingly supposed to come out within four months. So it's just kind of a weird one all around. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a bummer all around. Like, you know, people losing their jobs, a project on hold. Uh, there's just not a good story at all in here. But it, no. it, again, it, like a lot of game development is, is built in secrecy, so we don't usually get stories like this. So it's, it's interesting. And yeah, I wish uh, maybe something will come out later. Maybe Schreier will have a follow-up piece uh, that goes more into this because he's, he's been really good about, you know, uh, the, you know the, the old Dead Space studio. You know Luke, the, the studio that did thirteen uh, thirteen. He's he's had the inside look at a lot of these studios. So maybe he's he's got a big feature coming up that'll kind of really get into what happened here. Yeah, yeah. No, that that I hope so, man. Because yeah, it's just doesn't something doesn't sit right. Something stinks. Yeah, yeah. All right. So moving on to your topic, my favorite topic of the week. <laughs> All right. Which I will go so, into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this should be a pretty quick one because it's, it's mostly just a uh, piece of hardware announcement. But after talking about, you know, what does Sony want to do in the mobile space? Should they combat Nintendo? Should they try their hand at a Vita 2? <laughs> you know, something like that. Trying to speculate mm-hmm. here last week. We, we got kind of an answer from Sony. Um, we got the announcement of a PlayStation-branded Backbone phone controller. So what this thing is, is it basically turns your phone into a Switch, right? So, you know, it's a, it's a PlayStation-branded DualSense look-alike controller that you would plug directly into your iPhone. Uh, important there that right now this is just for iPhones. Uh, and it basically allows you to use your phone as a, a remote play screen for your PlayStation 5. Um, you know, and, and off the bat, I got to say this thing looks kind of slick. Um, you know, it hasn't been released yet. I haven't really heard of any firsthand experience with it. But if everything that it says to do, it does well, I could see myself, you know, picking one of these things up. So, again, just want to read a quick little press briefer here. Um, the Backbone 1 PlayStation Edition was brought to life by our design team in collaboration with the brilliant minds at PlayStation. The elegant colors, materials, and finishes are all inspired by the design of the PS5 console's DualSense wireless controller, all the way down to the transparent face buttons and its visually distinctive floating appearance um so again yeah it's it's got the nice white design the clear buttons you know the the layout of the options button is something very similar and and, you know when you plug your, your iphone directly into this thing it it pushes through a customized backbone app which like tailors the experience to kind of look like a playstation 5 and have this nice clean interface to allow you to to go through your games and you know, do you do you think this is a Sony's answer to the mobile? Is this their mobile solution, Nick, or do you think this is just kind of another one-off thing? See if it sticks or not. I have a, I have a few points before we get to that. Sure. One is in the the podcast tradition, and I love this tradition. I'm going to talk about it a little later, <laughs> it, where in which we talk about something. You said this exact thing. You said like stream to <laughs> the device. You know, when we were talking about PlayStation Portables, you exactly said this, like stream to the device on your phone. You said those exact words last week. <laughs> and here it is. You what willed it into existence. And that's what awesome. I say? I, Near this... Automata 2. Near Automata 2. Near Automata 2. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. We should just start saying all of our, our things that yes. we want, you know, and, and hopefully we'll get them. But uh, 
So that is incredible. I was dying laughing when I saw this announcement. I just couldn't believe it. Like, of all the things, like, like okay, we talked about Rockstar Games. They're going to come up in news a lot. We talk about Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. They're going to come out in the news a lot. But do, talk about PlayStation portals to have a portable controller talk uh, blog post the next week. Uh, it was just... It is funny timing because just a little bit about how the sausage gets made. Obviously, Nick and I, if there's something in the news to talk about, we'll talk about it. If there's a game we're playing, we'll, we'll talk about it. But sometimes there's neither of those things. And so you have to kind of get creative and think about, you know, what is something that we could talk about? And so it is pretty funny serendipitously that, that we chose that one last week. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty, And I, I'm mad at every outlet because they should have credited us with predicting this. <laughs> You know, but yeah. well, that's to, fine. Well, reach out to your boy Jason Schreier. He can get our name around. <laughs> okay. And now, and the second thing, there is something about this controller that is not like the DualSense. Do you, can, do you know what it is? Can you tell? Is it, that, is it that weird orange button? Yeah, that is obviously it. But I'm talking about the layout. Oh, the offset sticks. Yes. There are yeah. offset sticks here. It's very similar to a Xbox controller. The sticks are not... Both in the, in the you know parallel to each other, they're they're offset. So if you, if it might be a better way to play some games, it's possible uh, this way. If, yeah, if that is your um, preference. It's a, I mean, in for another comparison, it's exactly how a switch is. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. to, to the T. Like the I'm actually looking at a side by side right now. They are they mimic the switch's placement, and that's. You know, I, pl- I play Switch handheld. It's fine. It's nothing that I would ever want to play a first-person shooter with or something like Rocket League. But, you know, for your platformers, your indie games, you know, for maybe some less intensive experiences, I think this is great, you know, that you could just take this thing into bed, take it on a commute. You know, they claim that as long as you have an Internet connection, so one would assume that, as, you know, even a cellular connection would work, you should be able to make this thing function. Um, you know, and I did use the Vita with the PS4 remote play back in the day Uh, I only ever really messed with it in the house but it worked pretty well where you could just yeah go lay in bed and just pretty much continue where you left off on the the PS4 and take it on the Vita and that was pretty cool so Mm -hmm. you know I think I think this is I think this is their solution you know to the mobile space I can't imagine Sony you know now that they've released a product like this that capitalizes on you know phones that they would then come out with like a here's a Vita 2 that's going to also eat into our own ecosystem now so mm-hmm. um, you know I think it is and while it might not be my number one choice again I, I encourage everybody to go look it up it's it looks nice you know it looks We'll see if it's comfortable, but it has, you know, the L2, LR2 buttons. Um, it's got the click functionality within the triggers or within the uh, joysticks themselves, which was a big thing for me with Vita. You know, not only is it just effectively taking away some buttons, but it just doesn't feel right if it doesn't do that. Um, it has path, pass through charging, so you can play it and have it plugged in and charge your phone at the same time. Uh, 3.5 millimeter audio jack. Um, you know, a couple just little bells and whistles to kind of, you know, make it make it a nice experience. Um, no price officially on it yet, but I believe it's going to be ninety nine dollars. Um, yeah, that's what it is. It is ninety. Okay, because yep. I know you know this is a Backbone is an uh, existing company. They're just doing the PlayStation branded thing now. But um, yeah, I just want to again just drive home the point that for right now. This is just for iPhone only, for the PlayStation branded one. There are Android backbones available, um, but, you know, it doesn't have, 
some of the bells and whistles. Like uh, like I said with this one, you know, when you plug this thing into your iPhone, it converts all the the button icons and things to X square, triangle, and circle. It it does the little things to make it just a little bit nicer of an experience. Um, and one other thing I'd want to mention about this. Um, for all my iPhone users out there, just just be cautious because this does have a lightning port in it. And the only reason I say that is because I believe there's some uh, something in Europe where they took Apple to court and said that they need to create a device that has a standard uniform charger. And so they're going USB-C. So if this is something you want to buy, you know, it's, again, it's $99. It's not going to break the bank, but it might be worth it to see in a year or so if they come out with a USB-C version. Um, because if you're one of those people that upgrades your phones the moment you can, you know, you might be out, you know, um, limiting yourself here in the future going forward. So just wanted to at least make that little PSA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the Android one has the competitor button layout. And so Gross. you cannot, you can't buy that. So if you if you don't get the Android <laughs> one until they release the official Sony one, because yeah. who uses A B X Y? Ugh. Yeah, God. I know. Gross. Ugh. Yeah, they're not even in the right order. Yeah, savages, Silly. savages. Sure so, runs. so yeah, I think this is just the as you had mentioned last week again, uh, a way to get you to <laughs> play your player console in your bed, you know, and you know, keep that trophy grind going, you know, you don't have to mm -hmm. be sitting in front of your, your fancy TV all, all night. You can uh, relax in bed and get some gaming in, which is, is really cool, yeah. you know, cause yeah. play the remote play app without this thing and then go, <laughs> I, there's no way I'm doing that. So <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you have all to right. be a masochist and yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't think anybody's playing God of War on this thing, but yeah, indie games, platformers, perfect, man. All right, moving on. Final topic. Here we go. This is uh, inspired the Grand Theft Auto Five clip that you heard at the beginning of this podcast between Lamar and Franklin. And this is another Jason Schreier article that came out this week. This one's huge. Uh, it is titled "Rockstar Games Cleaned Up Its Frat Boy Culture and Grand Theft Auto 2. And just like Kotor, I want to kind of frame this in two ways. One is what the, what it says about Grand Theft Auto 6, and then what it says about Rockstar Games Studio. So this is what it says about Grand Theft Auto 6. This is the little tidbits of news we get. Uh, the big headline was that we're going to get our first female protagonist in the game. Uh, the game's going to have two protagonists, and they're going to have a relationship. But this will have the first playable single player, because you can be a female in Grand Theft Auto Online. Uh, hmm. Protagonist, and which is kind of a big deal. I thought it was weird in Grand Theft Auto Five that you had three male characters. It just seemed seemed weird. So this will be the first game to do that. Uh, hmm. This game is predicted to be two years away. So they say they say it's going to be come out in uh, Take Two's fiscal twenty twenty four year. So that's anywhere from April twenty twenty three to March twenty twenty four, and that the game is set in Miami. But the plans are to add more cities in the future. I guess it was going to launch with more cities, but they kind of reeled that back. So now it's just going to be mm -hmm. Miami. It's just as big as GTA V. Uh, and it's going to have more interiors than GTA V. And then, yeah, their, their plan is to stretch their content out by adding more cities, uh, more missions, more areas as, as the game moves on. And I imagine that is all because of Grand Theft Auto Online. I don't know how much that is going to yes. matter to the yes. single player content of the game. <laughs> so before we get into 
the changes that they're doing internally as a, a company. John, what, do you, what did you think of this news? As we, as we discussed, you're not the biggest Grand Theft Auto fan, but uh, what did you think of these little tidbits that we've, that we've learned about the game so far? I think it sounds great. I, you know, I am, like you said, not the biggest GTA fan, but I will, I, I can't see a future where I'm not going to at least give every GTA that comes out a, a fair shake. You know, I'm going to pick mm-hmm. it up and, and give it a shot. And so the idea of having a female protagonist is, is cool. Um, you know, I like the Bonnie and Clyde aspect that they're kind of going with with this one. You know, that'll kind of uh, create an interesting dynamic. And, you know, I, I never played Vice City, but I, gotta believe that that's the it seems to be the most favorite for for diehard gta fans so hopefully they can kind of capture the the vibes that that game had uh going back to miami um and yeah it's 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 cool that you know they're going to add cities um you know down the road to let people you know have that that epic sandbox experience sandbox experience that i know they're trying to get with gta online um you know as always though you know i always feel like an odd man out when (laughs) i hear these things because i i personally don't want a game that i just that goes on and on and on and there's lots of people out there that you know call of duty and grand theft auto that's what they play so sure why would i not want more cities and more places to explore and different cars and different you know environments but I just, I I would play the game for the narrative and whatever the narrative is, you know, that's what I hope is strong. And without the Hauser brothers, brothers, it's going to be an interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be interesting being that they were the, you know, I feel like the glue that tied that franchise or that catapulted the franchise to the levels that it got to um, with the, you know, kind of uh, satire of our, our society. You know, I feel like that's always been kind of the thing about Grand Theft Auto. So It'll be interesting to to see that satire going forth since people are more sensitive than ever. You know, oh, the woke, we'll get into the, this. <laughs> the woke culture is more sensitive than ever. And, you know, no matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on, like, just realize like, it's a game, man, and not to get too worked up about it. But I'm sure people won't be able to help themselves, you know, oh, uh, this, this is a war. I can't play as a woman. Oh, God, are they going to have LBG, LGBTQ characters in this thing now? And... You know, and then those same people will be like, "Oh yeah, do you remember the Ballad of Gay Tony?" Like, "Oh, there was that." <laughs> so it'll it'll be you know it'll be infuriating when it comes out for that reason. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it sounds cool, and it's you know that you can tell that Rockstar will not settle for anything less than a ten out of ten from their fans. So oh, here's here's hoping it gets there. Yeah, and. Before we actually get into the the article, like Grand Theft Auto Six is going to be a different game, as you mentioned. The Hauser brothers, who wrote, had creative control over the the franchises, both Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto. You know, they're no longer there, so the game's going to be different. Just because they, I and I don't like to put a lot of you know onus on a, a game that's made by thousands of people on two guys. Right. You know, I don't think like you know that sure they they kind of drove the the franchise to the great heights that it reached, but. You know, there was a lot of great people in those studios. So, um, right. But they're gone, so the game was going to change anyway. And then it's also been nine years since <laughs> Grand Theft right. Auto Five launched. Uh, so, so the the writing and the the everything about that game is is set in that time period, and we were culturally just different. Our mm-hmm. you know humor is different. Everything's everything's different. So, th- I, this game's going to be different, and. 
I wouldn't take what I'm about to describe as Schreier goes into the like the studio culture as the reason why it was just inevitable. Like we're moving forward as a people. You know, what was funny in 2002 is not no longer funny in 2013 is no longer <laughs> funny now. So so it sounds like Rockstar Games is evolving. And if you got nothing else more to add, uh, we can get into it. Um, no, I'm good. Yeah, go for it. All right. So uh, just like the, the one about Aspire Media, I'm sorry <laughs> I said that wrong the whole entire time. Uh, this kind of goes into... Uh, the, the, the studio culture, and I'm just going to highlight a few. Uh, I highly recommend just reading the whole thing. It's a great article written by Jason here. But I'm going to highlight kind of the uh, the interesting parts that I read. All right. So Grand Theft Auto V was a nihilistic parody that threw insults at everything from right wing radio hosts to liberal politicians. Inside the company, the tone wasn't much different. Rockstar employees described a workplace culture full of drinking, brawling and excursions to strip clubs. The company was an early symbol of an industry wide problem of long hours at the office known as crunch in which staff were expected to be at their desks many nights and weekends in order to keep a game on schedule. Since the outcry, Rockstar has attempted to reinvent itself as a more progressive and compassionate workplace. According to interviews with more than 20 people who work there or left recently, all of whom requested anonymity because they weren't authorized to speak publicly. One employee described it as a boys club transformed into a real company. A spokesperson for Rockstar declined to comment. Can a kinder, gentler Rockstar still produce this chart-topping caliber of game the studio has become known for? Some employees aren't sure. Morale across the company is higher than it's ever been, according to many staffers, but the development of Grand Theft Auto 6 has been slower than impatient fans and even longtime employees have expected. Between the company's new mandate and the 2019 departure of Dan Hauser, who led creative direction on many previous Rockstar games, all signs suggest that Grand Theft Auto 6 will feel different than its predecessor. The transformation of Rockstar includes changes to scheduling, converting contractors to full-time employees, and the ouster of several managers that employees saw as abusive or difficult to work with. When the pandemic started, started workers received care packages, cloth masks, and surprise bonuses. Many others, however, say they're content to work at a company where there's little pressure to get a new game out the door. Grand Theft Auto V, which came out in 2013, is the most profitable entertainment property of all time thanks to its multiplayer component Grand Theft Auto Online. That unprecedented financial success has given Rockstar leeway to make sweeping changes and to take its time on its next project. As other staff members pointed out, overhauling Rockstar's culture could help with retention and recruitment, as well as lead to games that are better for everyone working on them, and presumably the people playing them too. So there's a lot there, John. What are, mm-hmm. you, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean... I, I... Nothing specific. I, I, you know, I think that this frat boy culture, it's not necessarily a rock star problem. It's, no. it's a video game industry problem, right? This, this is an industry that has been dominated by males since its inception. You know, there's still a stigma today about how video games are for boys, you know, that there's not a lot of girl gamers out there. And I think we're seeing more and more that not be the case and so you know companies are now having to adapt and having to realize that like you said the world has moved on from Mm -hmm. the sexism jokes that were were funny of 2008 and 
Nobody wants to be the next Blizzard is the, is the moral of the story. Like nobody yeah, well, wants that Blizzard publicity. It's Ubisoft, dude. It's it's you yeah. know, Ubisoft had a lot of bad ones too. It's it's a lot of these these companies um, you know, that just really need to to figure it out and you know, if you can create an environment where people are want to come to work and are happy for to be at work, you know, and they want to they want to put everything they have into the business and into the game. You're going to get a better product for it. So, you know, I, I think it is, you know, I don't see how anybody couldn't say that it's a good thing to try and clean up a frat boy culture and, you know, be a little more inclusive. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it will be it will be interesting to see, you know, the direction and tonality of the game, like you said, without the housers there. And, you know, I, that's what I'm most curious to see, I think, with the next Grand Theft Auto, perhaps, is just... Is this the mm-hmm. same thing? Are we still beating up hookers? Or are we, you know, evolving a little bit? You know, I, I think 5 was definitely an evolution, right, in the sense that you get to play as three characters. But other than that, it's it's always been kind of the same formula. So, mm-hmm. yeah, wondering wondering if that'll change a little bit. And, um, you know, just kind of a point. F- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say the humor, if, if you watch South Park, it, the humor it was always kind of like on point with that. It just is like... We're just going to punch at everybody. Like, we don't care right. what you like or where you fall on any subject. We're just going to punch you all because, you know, there's That's ridiculous, the there's ridiculousness in it all. There's funniness. There's there's funniness about everything. We, we all our values, you know, are, are ripe to be punching bags by the right writers, by the right comedians. So I always thought right. Grand Theft Auto V was in the same boat where it's just like, man, everyone's absurd. Tech companies are absurd. absurd. Politicians mm-hmm. are absurd. You know, even the characters that you play as in that game are absurd. It's just like right. we're just going to punch at all of you. So, yeah, um, everybody's everybody's personality or identity gets ratcheted up to eleven, no matter what yeah, their yeah. personality <laughs> or identity is. So, right, and that's the and that's the rock star way. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's I think it's good all around. I I don't really have much negative to say and. You know, just kind of uh, something that just popped on my head a little bit earlier about the Housers not being there is I, I think maybe a really uh, apt comparison is like Miyazaki leaving Dark Souls at, for Dark Souls 2, right? Is I think unanimously people think that that's like kind of the one that's like the black sheep of the family. And you can tell that he wasn't there because it wasn't there was a lot of like things missing. Hmm. So I think you'll get the same game. But it'll just feel a little off, and that could be good. It could be better. You know, who's to say the Housers are the best writers in the world? But you know, so, so I think that's maybe a pretty close comparison. Right, and all the bones are there. Like this, uh, Grand Theft Auto Six will feel like a Grand Theft Auto game. Like you know, the, yeah. the DNA that the Housers brought to the franchise when it when it converted to 3D, and then you know, got even more and more systems in it. And more attention to detail, like that. That'll that'll definitely be in six. It's just, right. yeah. What what will the writing be like, and uh, will it will it match and be as just as good? Not that Grand Theft Auto Five is a masterpiece, but just as ridiculous and absurd and hilarious as as the previous game was. So, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's good news all around. I I know it's. As we've talked about, it's going to suck to wait for games even longer now because <laughs> I feel uh-huh. like we've, we, it feels like we've been waiting, especially for some studio games, for, you know, almost 10 years here. 
you know, as Gotham Knights finally comes out and, you know, Starfield and all these other games that, you know, now we got to you're telling us development's going to be even longer. Um, one of the biggest games of the year, or games of the you know decade, Grand Theft Auto Six. Uh, yeah, you know that's it'll be interesting. And and again, as as we talked about when we talked about Rockstar Games, as long as Grand Theft Auto Six is good, I it's all it's all gravy. Everyone will yeah, nothing else, nothing else matters. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 And this is this is kind of a little off topic, but you, you got my brain stirring a little bit with that last point there, Nick, is how long games take. And something that I kind of noticed about the Sony acquisitions of late, and we can save this for, we can have a long form discussion about this on our next podcast, but I do find it interesting the way Sony's been buying teams lately, is it's not how they are typically, right, where they work with a team for a long time and then buy them once they've proven themselves, like Insomniac or Housemark or Bluepoint or things like that. Mm-hmm. But with like the acquisitions of Nixus and Valkyrie and Haven and Bungie, it really seems like they're setting themselves up for a future where they have a, a decent amount of support teams so that the creatives you know, at Naughty Dog or the creatives at Sucker Punch can work on the game itself while they ship off assets management or um, porting ability or duties to the these other teams and mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to see I wonder if we're going to see in 10 years if Sony has it a little bit tighter and more manageable you know release schedule than than other companies do not only Xbox or Nintendo but even something like a you know a 2K or or these these big publishers they're just not able to get it out as quickly because the only thing that they can do is just hire more people while Sony kind of has people siloed off in their own specific things it's just something that I've noticed and and I wonder if that's going to pay dividends for them down the road or if it you know that's not the strategy at all uh yeah I think that is a strategy and uh that you just reminded me of a tweet or Jason Trier retweeted this, that Naughty Dog now has 17 people just on the production team. And all their (laughs) job is to do is make sure all their projects run smoothly on time, uh, you know, and nobody's being overworked and that the work is getting, you know, accurately doled out to everybody. Um, And uh, they said for decades they did not have a production team at all and now right. they have sev- they have a team of 17 people and that's what they think is why you know Last of Us Part 1 this remake not that it was like the toughest project in the world but why that game went gold so early and right. that the game is uh, right on schedule to be released is is because of this team so i think i think you're right like sony is going to get into and Sony's always been great about managing studios you know it's kind of the one thing with Xbox you know I right. not that I hate Xbox disregard my comment earlier about their controller <laughs> <laughs> but what Sony has been masterful about is releasing their games at a consistent cadence year after year after year there isn't a year where they don't have four at least three to four big games including this year coming out across the year um, it kind of got a little front loaded with uh, Forbidden West and GT Seven, but you know mm-hmm. that to have you know three possible Game of the Year runner games coming out of your right. studios uh, in, in one year, and the same for for the year before, and the same for the year with the year with COVID, you know, to get Last of Us Two, Miles Morales, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and you launched a console. <laughs> All, yeah. And Astrobot's playroom. Can't forget about Astrobot's playroom. John, yeah. did you did you know the, about Astrobot's playrooms? The best game on PS Five. Don't no, miss I've it. Never, I've never heard of it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think you're. I think 
you're right that the that they're buying all these studios to like kind of like really make the production of these games more efficient and now yeah. that we're not waiting you know like xbox like what game has been out since forza mm, nothing crickets yeah, they're just, yep. it, it just seems like they're <laughs> buying teams to be like okay you got our money now give us a game in six years and then the next team okay you got our money give us a game in six years when you know, and then those teams and their projects fall through, or they get canceled, or they get delayed. It's just like, well, shit. Now we now I guess twenty twenty two is just a, an empty slate for us. So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's encouraging to know. It seems like Sony has a, a plan with all that stuff. And sorry to go off on this big tangent. Oh I no, kind of kind of popped in my head and had to get it out. No, because you know, outside of I think like Sony Ben, like none of their studios have really had these problems. And you no. know, as far as you know. Oh my gosh, it's been eight years since the you know, last Sony Santa Monica game, you know, like, oh my God, oh, d- 10 years since the last Naughty Dog game? Like, no, that doesn't happen. And these games come out and they're incredible and they're, you know. There is there is one exception. I will say there is one exception. Uh-oh. Uh, Media Molecule. They are an interest. They are an interesting one. Just and and you can almost disregard them in the sense because Dreams is its own unique thing, but... Uh, they, I, I, I'm excited and I want Media Molecule to make another actual game. You know, I feel like we might be hopefully close to seeing something from them, but that's the one company. It's like, guys, it's been over 10 years since I think Tearaway was maybe their last thing before Dream, so I don't know. But uh, I digress. I got a question. I got a quiz you on that. How many people sure. work at Media Molecule? Mm, I'm going to say about 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally not looking at the Google. Uh, <laughs> Page right now. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. I am. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that's the only reason is like they're not like the other. They're not Gorilla Games or Naughty Dog or Insomniac. They are. That's actually kind of wild now that. That's kind of wild that they develop like dreams. Love it or hate it. It's impressive. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, they got some. They got some creative ass people there. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, they they kind of focus more on the tools, and then you know, obviously they put their own projects into it, but then they release them to the world between this and little big planet. And just rely on, you know, some dedicated content creators to make funny games like I Am Bread. And, yeah. know, but was that what that game was called? I forget what the game was called. <laughs> For, from who? So I'm sorry, from who? Uh, remember, oh, Video Game there Donkey. Is game, there is a game called I Am Bread, for sure. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, remember there, there the Video a... Game Donkey video? There was that game where the, the guy was just like, <laughs> ooh, bread, yum, bread. <laughs> Yeah, how could I forget? <laughs> yeah, you gotta have dedicated <laughs> content creators like that. Uh, if you don't know who Video Game Donkey is, he's a uh, YouTuber who makes uh, pretty pretty funny best. content. Uh, he's he, the did, best. he did uh, two videos on Dreams, and they're they're quite funny. I would recommend yeah. checking them out. But but yeah, so they rely on you know content. You know, they're a smaller team. They create the the tools and then just give it to the world and and people make fun stuff with it. So yeah, yeah. So yep, Sony's Sony has got. Sony and its studios seem to have their stuff together, so that's I'm really kudos to Sony for giving us a bunch of great games consistently year over year. So, good job, Jim. <laughs> and Jim Ryan for all those out there. <laughs> and hopefully, the uh, Rockstar Games can you know once once GTA Six is out and out there, like it could, they'll be focused on you know continually adding great content to that game and. You know, nobody has to work 14-hour days, seven days a week there to do it. So, Yeah. Yeah. All right. We did it again. That is six things. 
I'm hoping that something we talked about will will itself to an exist to uh, in existence, and that is why we're going to leave you on the song called "Empire: The Final Assault" by Noria Hanzawa. This is the remix by Monte because this is a the song from Gunstar Heroes. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is a great song. We talked about Gunstar Heroes a few podcasts ago. It's a great game. Look it up. It has a great soundtrack. It is Treasure's 30th anniversary, the developer that made it. And if this leads to a game announcement that they're remaking or bringing a sequel to this franchise next week, I I mean, I don't know what we do with this power. Yeah, I don't know. We have superpowers and we have to reach out to somebody to buy us as a company uh, (laughs) because we are invaluable assets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So if if this does happen... Seriously, like I'm going to be yeah. a little freaked out and we're going to yeah, just start name dropping things at the beginning of every podcast that we want to be mentioned. So <laughs> Bloodborne PS5, Bloodborne PS5. <laughs> yes, Marvel's Wolverine, information about yeah. Marvel's Wolverine. <laughs> All right, so enjoy right. the song. Enjoy your weekend. We will be back next week with games. We'll, we'll be sure to fit some games in next week. I know you, yes. you have some games, I have some games, so... Uh, we're still in the doldrum of summer, so it won't be new games, but we've played some games, so uh, right. we'll have some things to say. All right, so that's it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. Take care, guys. Franklin here has been awarded Employee of the Month. You fucking with me, right? 
Man, we both being fucked with, dog. Man, knock it off, man. For real, after all the motherfucking work I put in, man. Man, fuck this employee of the month shit, homie. I'm sitting up here trying what to get What you mean, us... fuck this employee of the month shit, man? When it's some shit to be won, goddammit, I want it. I don't give a fuck what it is. You know what I'm talking about? I take no prisoners. I go hard doing this shit. Big dog, big nuts. When names is on the motherfucking board, I want to see my name at the top of that motherfucking next to it. It needs to say, winner. Hey, maybe next month, huh? Man, fuck next month, Simeon. What about today? I, I demand a retrial.